Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. You are listening to the Game Global Podcast, hosted by Kieran Callum. So hello everybody and hello, hello and welcome once again to another episode of the Game Global Podcast. I am Kieran and as I always say, this is the show that's here to give you some tools and resources that you can use to smash your dating and your sexual goals. Now today we've got quite an interesting episode, a very interesting episode actually. I'm not sure necessarily how much you're going to be able to take and learn from it, but I can guarantee you're going to be completely fascinated. I'm here with my friend Sandra and we're going to speak about a relationship that she was in, which was a bit unconventional to say the least. (laughs) So Sandra, Miss Sandra is dancing. Hello. 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 And thank you for being here as well. I really appreciate it. I appreciate you. I appreciate your time. Thank you. Thank you for being able to be had. (laughs) <laughs> merci Sandra, merci. <laughs> merci beaucoup. Bon, bon. So, you, what was the relationship that you were in? Can you just tell me, like tell everybody, what was the deal? So, basically, I've been with this guy for two years and the deal was I was free to do whatever I wanted with whoever I wanted while he was staying at home cooking and cleaning the apartment for me, waiting for me to come home after my dates and that was the deal (laughs) hold on hold on so you were having sex with other people but he wasn't yeah he was only with me we were living together and i was dating or having sex with other people as much as i wanted to and he was actually part of it because when i was having those dates he would yeah wait for me at home uh usually under my terms and conditions under your terms and conditions yeah and what were those terms and conditions, Sandra? Well, for example, okay, this is going to sound okay, a bit extreme, but if I wanted to have a bath run for me when I get home, he would do it for me or cook or clean or wear whatever I wanted him to wear. Or, I don't know, sometimes I would forbid him to masturbate, for example, thinking about what I was doing, you know? So he was... He- <laughs> He was part of it. You would forbid him to masturbate while thinking about what you were doing? Yeah. So he wanted to masturbate while thinking about what you were doing? Yeah. I'll get into a bit more details. I got him a chastity cage. Oh, sweet Jesus. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, sweet Jesus. And, um, yeah, I would go see those people wearing the key of the cage around my neck and... Why he was... Whoa. <laughs> Whoa. Okay, so for anyone who doesn't know, a chastity cage is effectively like a cage, for lack of a better phrase, that a man would wear around his dick to prevent him from getting hard. Yeah, exactly. And you would have the key. Yeah. So you're out and you're having sex with whoever. Mm-hmm. You'd take the key with you. Yeah. He's at home thinking about you but he can't do anything because you've got the key exactly this wasn't something that you wanted and forced him into he actively wanted to do this 
Actually, he introduced me to that. I've never even thought about it before. I had no idea people were actually doing that in real life. And it happened really slowly, obviously. We started by talking about my past sexual experiences having sex, and I noticed that he was getting really turned on. And then slowly, we just kind of escalated. How do you say that? Escalated. Escalated. Yes, thank you. Yeah, and then he just kind of told me that he wanted me to just do that and for me that was the perfect deal you know can i just say i respect the fact that you honestly said for you that was the perfect deal yeah like i i rate that honesty you didn't try and lie you didn't go you know i did it to make him happy but i wasn't comfortable you just owned it no i mean i was actually really happy doing that especially because he was a happy as well he was part of it i've never lied to him he would always know who I was with and if I, for example, started having feeling for someone, I would stop uh, having sex with them because that was part of the deal. So we had to set up some rules and we both really needed to respect them in order to make this work. So what were the rules? I had to tell him beforehand if I was planning on seeing someone. I couldn't just go and come back at 5 a.m., you know, without him knowing what I was doing and who I was with. So I just had to tell him. And as soon as feelings were getting involved, I had to stop the relationship, which was the hardest part for me, actually. But it had to be strictly sexual. Did you often find yourself developing feelings for these guys? Well, that's the thing. I, yes, (laughs) I had to stop hanging out with some people a couple of times, yeah. So... The man that you were with, the assumption that I have, and I'm sure the assumption of every man who's listening to this conversation right now is that this guy was a complete wimp, a total pussy, as we say, (laughs) that he had no backbone, no spine, that he probably wasn't very big physically, that he probably had like a really skinny frame and he was weedy and just very, you know, not like a masculine man in any way, shape or form. Is that true? That's very interesting because I would have had the same image, but it's actually not true. But, so he was quite tall and um, much older than me, actually. 15 years older than me. Came up as pretty self-confident, but he used to be a little bit humiliated by his mom when he was a kid. And not to get into that deep kind of conversation, I think that's where it comes from. So he wouldn't come up as weak and, yeah, but... He definitely had some things to solve, that's for sure. What was your sexual life like with him? Did you guys have sex with each other? Or was it literally just, look, I'm out, I'm doing X, Y and Z and you're locked up in this cage? (laughs) No, we would have sex quite a lot, actually. And the more people I was seeing, the more him and I would have sex. Yeah, he would get really turned on by the idea of me going elsewhere. And I would too. So when you and him were having sex, who was in control of the sex? Well, it's not, it was not really about control, but I felt like I was a goddess, seriously. Uh, I'm going to sound like a bitch. Uh, I swear I'm not. I'm very kind. But that guy just wanted to just treat me like, like a princess. Basically, he would just do sexually everything I wanted. And I would talk to him about how good it was with other people when you were talking to him about how good it was with other people 
were you putting him down or was it like was it like yeah this guy's got a bigger dick than you you fucking suck or was it like oh my god i had the greatest orgasm with this man oh you should have been there it was amazing yeah more like the second one there was a lot of love and i would just share the beauty of what i experienced with someone else with him Nothing really humiliating or that guy is better than you. It was more of a, oh, I've been feeling so good that I want you to know about it. Huh. The thing is, though, like, you see, like, the whole cock cage thing. Mm -hmm. That seems very humiliating. Yeah. So were there ever, like, long periods of time where he's in the cage and you wouldn't let him out? Never as a punishment. It was really mutual agreements. Everything had to be discussed a lot there was a lot of communication involved so no not really i would not force him even though i think he wanted me to at some point i've had a hard time being not nice let's say <laughs> oh so you found it difficult to be a bitch yeah a little bit <laughs> yeah <laughs> this this is actually just blowing my mind <laughs> It's actually because it's like, when I hear this, like I think of this concept, I imagine, okay, he's got no power, etc. You stand tall and you're like, I am the goddess, yes. And like, you are lowly, you're nothing, you're beneath me. But it actually sounds like you guys had a very level relationship, except he had this kink and... Well, it's something that you both enjoyed, but fundamentally you guys were equals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As in, he would clean the apartment when I was having sex just for the kink. Whoa. You know, but that was part of that thing. But Whoa. otherwise, <laughs> on a regular cleaning the house day, we would just do everything together. Whoa. He was not a slave at all. Well, you say at all, but if you're out fucking someone else and he's cleaning the apartment, that image there. So I'm, this is what I'm thinking. You've gone out and you're wearing your sexiest underwear. <laughs> I don't know what that is, but you're dressed. Usually nothing. Whoa. Okay, Sandra. Okay. You've gone out. You're wearing absolutely no underwear whatsoever. Right. And you probably texted him about how wet you are as well. Yes, I mean, just guessing. Yeah, you're right. Um, yeah, even further than that, actually. I would sometimes Jesus. call him while I was having sex with someone and Whoa. put the phone on the side, you know, somewhere on Jeez. the bed. Jeez, Sandra. <laughs> yeah. Jesus. Good God. What, so you're having sex with this man. Mm -hmm. You call your boyfriend. You put the phone to the side. But he's wearing the cage, so he can't do anything. Yeah. Ugh. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. So what did the men who you were seeing think about your arrangement? Did they know? Did you tell them? All of them knew. All of them knew that was also part of the rules. I would never pretend that I was single. And I would always be very clear about the fact that I wasn't looking for a relationship and that I was in love with someone, etc., etc. So everyone knew and they would just... Some of them thought it was extremely weird and were a little bit uncomfortable with that. Some of them were actually really turned on. Some of them actually wanted to invite him. A lot of different reactions. To watch. Mm. Yeah. Were any of those men, men who you knew and who your boyfriend knew? Um, let me think. There might have been some that he met briefly, but they, we never had that 
moment of like having dinner, the three of us, etc. Uh, apart from moments where he was actually part of the sexual thing. So either my friends or strangers, but not his friends, for example. I wouldn't do that with his friends. The men who you were seeing that weren't your boyfriends. Yeah. They're just fucking the shit out of you. Pretty much. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so you said that your boyfriend would treat you like a goddess. So like what sort of stuff were you doing with him that differed to what you were doing with them? Sexually with him it was just I I didn't really do that, but I, it would have been okay to just lay down and do nothing <laughs> and just, you know, wait for him to please me. I know he wouldn't have mind. It's just not what I do. So we used to have, if I can put it that way, more mainstream kind of sexual relationships. As with the others, I would explore a bit more role play and, you know, dom and sub kind of things and a bit more, having a bit more fun and less love. That's big difference. It's funny because I said to you before we started recording that you seem like a switch. You seem like someone who dominates and is also submissive. And it's just, you're an interesting person. You're <laughs> a very, very, very interesting person. Did this situation lead into the breakup of your relationship or was it for completely different reasons? Completely different. Yeah. So I think, yeah, I could see myself in something like that very long term actually. Would you mind saying why you guys split up? Was it you who ended it? Did he end it? I I ended it. I ended it. I needed to leave to travel, to live my life. I was too young to get married and shit. I, I was engaged to him, actually. And I just couldn't do that anymore. I wanted freedom. I, I was 23. He was 38 or something. I he did something different so no hard feelings i hope he's doing great and and everything you know we're fine but yeah officially anybody who's listening to this story has to say i don't want that at all that is absolutely crazy and if me and you were on tv telling this same story like let's say if we were in front of a studio audience everyone in the audience would go ha 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 that is so crazy ha ha we would never do anything like that ha 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 but the thing is if there's a hundred people in that audience i guarantee there's going to be at least 12 who are going to go oh oh my god oh so my question to you would be for any men who are listening who actually do want that because God knows I don't judge, live your life and be happy. How would they actually go about getting a woman to engage in that with them? Like, what did your ex say to you? He would just drop hints here and there. He would not, he didn't go straight forward because it's a little bit hard to talk about these kind of kinks sometimes in our society. So he would just leave little traces as in, oh, I like when you tell me about that ex, or oh, that guy looked cute, or, you know, that kind of things. How is it with this ex? Or, And very slowly, I kind of understood that he was getting turned on. And you know what? I guess the most important thing is just communication. No matter how you say it, just, just say it. If you're going to have a much better reaction than what you can expect. Because if the person loves you, you know, it just goes easily. It was smooth. 
Yeah, something I want to say, actually, to any guy who's listening who actually does want this, or if you want something that is considered to be socially unacceptable, who actually cares? Like, who actually gives a crap? Because if you're not hurting anybody, then just live your life. If two consenting adults decide that they want a relationship where they're in a relationship, but one of them has sex with other people, knock yourself out. Life is short. At the end of the day, in like 70 years, everybody listening to this is going to be dead. And it's just about, were you happy with the way you lived your life? So if you do want something like that, just go out and get it. I say respect to your ex, because at least your ex is living his dreams and his fantasies. There's millions of men and women all around the world who fantasize about something more extreme or even things that are less extreme but they don't have the confidence to do it and then they never do they wind up as a 80 year old 90 year old person in a nursing home and it's like oh wow it's too late for me to do all of the things i ever wanted to do and now i'll never get to do them because i was too scared yeah fuck it actually yeah i think he was um he used to be in relationships relationships before me where he didn't get that kind of a uh, balance that he needed or he he didn't feel free to express himself that much and i think that was really important to him because there's absolutely as you said no, nothing to be ashamed of as long as you know it's consenting adults who cares so i have a question for you miss uh, dancing sandra yeah miss dancing sandra hypnotherapist sandra yeah <laughs> Miss Dancing Sandra, Hypnotherapist Sandra, Cocoldra Sandra, I have that question. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right, so this is I my like question. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, Dancing Sandra, Hypnotherapist Sandra, Cocoldra Sandra, you're welcome. Okay, so this is my question. <laughs> Were the sexual experiences that you had while being in this relationship some of the most powerful of your life? Um... The ones with him or other people, sorry? Like, just in general, like, not necessarily with him, but I guess what I'm saying is, were your orgasms bigger if you're having sex with some guy behind your boyfriend's back while your boyfriend is listening in on the phone? Is that more exciting than just meeting some guy in a club and taking him home? Completely, yeah. When he was listening, yeah, he would, it would turn me on so much. Would you ever talk to him, like, while you were... Yeah, I, I did that. I I would talk. I would um, send some photos or videos if the people I was with would agree. Jesus Christ, Sandra. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Oh. He he found the right woman with you. He really did. Yeah, like, he I guess really yeah. did. I don't know. It felt really easy for me. You know, I I just feel lucky because it wasn't a big deal for me to do that. It's quite the opposite, actually. So I've been lucky. The thing is, it's like every now and then, somebody discovers, like, something that they were born to do. Mm -hmm. And, like, you you, may, you didn't know it existed, but once you discovered it, you're like, yes, this is me, and clearly this is you. <laughs> yeah. So would you like to have another relationship like that again? So that's actually a big question for me, because um, after dating him, I've been dating a few monogamous people and it has been a bit of a transition I needed to get used to because I I wouldn't say I got bored of monogamy but it didn't seem quite right anymore so yeah I would I would actually do it again if I could 
you know what? I can see why you think that as well. Because if I kind of put my hat on and I imagine this, it's there's a certain level of freedom. And I don't even mean just the ability to have sex with whoever you want. I mean, there's that. But also, it's so much more fun. You have your boyfriend and you guys love each other and you care about each other. You're engaged. But there's this whole element that you're actually both part of. You have sex with someone else and he's thinking about it. And while you're with the other person, you're aware that he's aware that it's happening. He's listening in on the phone and maybe you talk to him while you're actually fucking the guy. I can I can see how that would be way more stimulating than just being in a monogamous relationship. Yeah. And then afterwards, it's kind of like, huh, how do I go back to that? That's for sure. But to be honest, and that's very personal, but for me, in relationships, love is actually more important than sex. And I would maybe have crazy orgasms with other people, but I was always going back to him because I was in love with him. And that's the thing. I could... Obviously, I, I know I could do monogamy again because as long as I love the person, you know, making love is brings me so much more than having sex, regardless of the actual action happening, you know? I, I do. And I have a question. So for the benefit of me and the men who are listening, what were you attracted to about your boyfriend? What was it? <laughs> Um, I'm not saying that because I assume there was nothing attractive about him. I'm just asking <laughs> why. <laughs> but I know, I, I know that many men would kind of assume that. So, like, help me and us to get a picture of what about this guy was attractive. Why were you with him? He was funny. Mm. We would just laugh all the time, being childish. But he was also... He had great culture. He would know a lot about arts and... And history and would teach me a lot. I need to be with a man or actually a woman. I don't mind. Uh, but who is able to teach me things. These two things are the most important for me, I'd say. And then obviously kindness and generosity and, you know, all those classic ones. So I have another question. Yeah. What turns you on? Um, well... Seeing the person I'm with being turned on, really. I, if I see a guy getting hot or a girl getting wet by watching me, I'm just getting crazy. It's a, such a self-confidence boost, self-esteem boost. You feel sexy, you feel powerful, you feel gorgeous, and then you're just like, Arrow, you know? <laughs> yeah i do it's funny because i've had women tell me the same thing that you said number one number two i've kind of noticed it as well it's funny because a lot of men and myself included in the past we have issues about let's say sexual performance and in the bedroom you might hold back out of shyness insecurity etc because you don't want to do the wrong thing and to be laughed at or looked down on whatever but then by holding back, you're actually preventing a fantastic sexual experience because you hold back. You don't really enjoy it as much. You're not doing what you want to do. She feels that you're holding back. She feels that you're not as into it as you could be. That lowers her enjoyment. And then ultimately the, the whole thing is just a shadow of what it could have been. So I do get you. Just be yourself, communicate, love people. And receive love. That's it. What 
are some of the biggest, let's say, mistakes men have made in the bedroom with you in the past? Well, I'd say the biggest one that has been a massive turn-off for me is men acting like in porn movies. Like, some men... This doesn't happen with women, actually, but men, sometimes you can tell by the way they move or the words they're using or the face that they've been learning sexuality through porn. And that is, my dear, a big mistake. <laughs> so when we talk about porn, do we basically mean then too aggressive with no like feeling or no sensuality? Is that what you mean? I would say yes, that's yeah, that's one thing, but also it's just very cliche. You know, that kind of a super masculine frowning face and all those super moves. I, I don't know, I just don't yeah, it doesn't seem natural. Not not human, you know what I mean? I think I see what you mean. When did you lose your virginity? Um, I was 15, just before I turned 16, actually. That's way earlier than me. I didn't lose it till I was 19. Oh, wow. 19, almost 20. All right. There's a reason why I help men who don't know how to meet women. It's because I know what it felt like to be one of those guys. So for me, when I was growing up, I was just shy as all hell. Painfully shy, incredibly shy. And if you're a shy woman, you can still meet men because men don't mind shy women. But if you're a shy man, well, you need to make the first move usually and... If you're too scared to make the first move, you're not going to get anywhere. So because I was too scared to make the first move, I didn't get anywhere. And I would be in situations where, let's say, I was with girls. And like I might be like hugging a girl in the bed or something. And she clearly is waiting for me to do something. But I'm just so scared. Terrified. I'm as scared as you would be if I held a shotgun to your face. I'm just actually that scared. And you get into this mindset where you think to yourself, oh, but... What if she's just being nice? What if she's just being friendly? What if I try something and then she rejects me? So I didn't actually do anything. And then funnily enough, I don't even really know how I ended up getting with this girl when I was 19. I don't know at all, but it just kind of happened. But then even then, I didn't I didn't have sex with anyone else again for like another two years or so until I was maybe 21. But by that point, I guess you would have been a seasoned veteran. So yeah, what happened to you at 15? Was it a boyfriend at the time? Or? Yeah, yeah, just, um, I'd say, classic story. Um, boyfriend, girlfriend, and taking things slow and just dating for a few months and then getting a bit more serious slowly. And then we finally had sex, lasted one second, literally one second. And, <laughs> and then that was on. He put it in and that was it. Yeah. Yeah, it was his first time as well is that something that happens to you a lot in general like let's say now as an adult is it common for men to just not be able to last any length of time at all yeah and you know what sometimes i feel like it's not a matter of ability but just a matter of caring because some people for some men you feel like the point of having sex is to just to get their you know g's out and with some guys, I feel, I've felt before that it happens so fast just because they don't really care and they don't 
try to keep it going after uh, you know after it's finished because sex usually finishes when the man finishes which i think shouldn't be obviously i haven't had sex with any men so i don't know but from what i've seen men seem to be very embarrassed when they come quickly Yeah. From what I've seen. Funnily enough, I used to have the opposite issue. I used to have the problem of not being able to come at all. Mm. And it was actually kind of hard because I would be with women who would feel like they weren't pretty because I was actually making them come. Sorry, they weren't making me come. So there's that, but what was the second thing that you said? I've already lost my the second part of my point. Um, I was talking about yeah, that sex finishes when the the guy finishes. Yeah, so I don't get this, right? I really don't get this. So, why is it that when these men finish, they don't just like stimulate you a bit until they can go again and then go again? Did he find you? <laughs> to be honest, I I might have just been unlucky. I don't know, but there's so many. I I think it's just a cultural thing. We learn that sex finishes when the sperm comes out. And you know how how many men haven't even tried to ask me if they could do better or if they could do something to please me or when I obviously wasn't enjoying that much and I would just get their sperm out and then it's finished. Would you say that a problem you've had in sex is that you don't feel like you're seen, like you feel like. Almost like a doll that is there for the man to just fuck and then put his cum into. It had happened by the past. I've chosen to learn. I've I've learned to choose. Sorry, my partners a little bit better um, than what I used to. Be a little bit more selective. So not anymore really. But I remember that from my early years of sexuality. Yeah, I I hear that because an issue I had in the past was that. I found it hard to connect to the woman. Not so much that I didn't respect her as a human being, but I was just so in my head that I wasn't really with her. Like I wasn't in the moment with her, touching her, feeling like the warmth of her skin and the softness of her breasts. It wasn't any of that. In my head, it's like, okay, so do this now, then do that now. Now do this. She's probably going to like it if you do that. I read that if you do this, that works. And now I'm going to do this. I've been doing this a little bit too long, so now I'm going to do this instead. It was like really mechanical. So yeah, I totally get that. I totally understand. And and that's yeah. I think that's something girls experience as well. Probably less because there's much more pressure on men for that. But we also have these problem sometimes of being too much in the mind, thinking about. If our fat rolls will show in this or that position, or do I look prettier that way or that way, or do I look, you know, am I ma making the round, the wrong noise or stuff like that? But sex is about the body and the soul. It's not about the mind. Letting go the the mind will help feeling so much better. You strike me as someone who doesn't really have a problem letting go in the bedroom. Yeah, no, not really. What insecurities do you have or have you had in the past where sex is concerned? Like, is there anything that you or maybe other women usually are worried about when it comes to sex? Yeah, of course. Just talking about my own experience, I've, well, I've had 
troubles with my body image, something that a lot of people experience, sadly. So it's been hell of a work, you know, for me to go through that. And, you know, I have the body that I have and what, what do you want to do? And I feel like accepting my body the way it is and, and being grateful for it to be working the way it is just makes sex so much more enjoyable because that's what allows me to have sex. It's my body. So I don't care if I have that little scar here, that little stretch mark there. Who cares? Because no sex, no, no body, no sex. I want to add something to the man who's listening. When it comes, you probably won't be aware of this, Miss Sandra dancing, hypnotherapist Sandra. <laughs> dancing, hypnotherapist Kakaldra Sandra. You won't be aware of this, but it's like when it comes to dating advice, a lot of it teaches men to pull back a little bit because the sorts of men who find themselves in positions where they need to learn how to become more successful with women, usually they started off by being far too much it's like oh my god i love you oh my god you're amazing like really soon so the woman is slightly put off and then maybe they get friend zones etc etc so a lot of the advice is to actually bring it back and pull it back and actually be a little bit more aloof but the thing is and i actually said this in i think last week's episode is that when you're in the bedroom women want to feel like they're the only thing that matters to you in the world like there's nothing else there is you and there is her and her body her soul every inch of her body that is your world for the time that you guys are having this sexual experience and when you have that kind of mindset well it's infinitely better for her because she feels seen she feels appreciated she feels hot she feels sexy she feels naughty she feels sinful she feels whatever she needs to feel but also you are not in your own head you're actually in the moment and because you're in the moment and not in your own head you're free and you're loose and you're being daring and you're being creative and you're actually realizing hold on this feels really fucking amazing doesn't it oh my god i actually love the way her lips feel on mine oh my wow she's actually so wet right now whoa she quivered when i did that oh my god she quivers then you're actually in the moment and she's in the moment and when she's in the moment she's finding creative things that you didn't know would actually turn you on and all of a sudden it's this intensely orgasmic blissful experience so please to the guy who is listening take that on board yeah please do and spread the word that's the best advice ever that you just gave oh thank you sandra could you just <laughs> say that one more time just for my ego <laughs> best advice ever <laughs> oh yeah you know what? This is what I'm going to do now. I'm going to make a new intro for this show and then I'm going to add Kieran Callum, best advice ever. Thank you, Sandra. <laughs> thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. But I think this might be a good place to end it unless you have something else that you would like to say. I don't think so. I'm good. No, okay. Well, thank you, Mrs. Sandra, who dances, who is actually a hypnotherapist. Oh, yeah, just to the person who's listening, she's actually a hypnotherapist. So if you had some sort of clinical issue like massive depression or something, or if you were terrified of yellow socks and they freak <laughs> you out, well, you can call her. She'll hypnotize you. She'll make you trust her. That's it. She makes you trust her. She'll make you feel relaxed. Then she'll speak to your subconscious and hypnotize you. Oh, yeah, hold on. We haven't really spoken about you and what you do. So, yeah, she's a hypnotherapist. 
therapist. She's an art therapist. Yes. What the heck is an art therapist, Sandra? <laughs> Basically, I am using art as a、um, medium of therapy, working on social, physical, mental health. So it's different kind of people and reaching a therapeutical goal, but using arts. Yeah, for example, people with um, you know, with autism, we're gonna dance for them to get more comfortable with their body. These kind of things. Gotcha, gotcha. That's actually an amazing thing. I like that. I respect that. Thanks. So, yeah, to the man who's listening, right? Let's say you have this deeply held fantasy of finding this beautiful woman to be in a blissful relationship with, but she's actually gonna have sex with other men and lock you up in a cage and call you while she's having sex with them and like let you hear it. Maybe I don't know. Maybe send Sandra a message. Maybe. <laughs> yep. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, who knows? You might be inundated with offers now and like proposals. <laughs> you know, you know what? This is actually the interesting thing about the world, right? Interesting thing about the world is this. So everything you have just said, there's huge amounts of people that that is like their worst nightmare. But there's also people who it's like nothing would make me happier than that, and I find that so fascinating. It is fascinating. It really, really, really is. It is. So yeah, and yeah. Finally, before we go, like seriously, don't judge yourself for your interests, your, you know, your fetishes, whatever, whatever they are. Just own it, embrace them, and just live them out. You don't have to run around telling people, but just do them. Yeah. If you want to be in a cuckolding relationship, fine. If you want to be in an open relationship, because this is it actually. I have men sometimes asking me about open relationships. I had a guy ask me a few days ago, and it's like. If you want it, just like bring it up. But a lot of men have this belief that women are like Disney princesses. It's a something I say all the time, actually, that men think women are like Disney princesses. But it's true. If you imagine, say, Snow White or Princess Jasmine, Snow White or Princess Jasmine, they would never enter a cuckolding relationship. Never. They would never do X, Y, and Z because they're a princess. And a lot of guys have this belief that women are one thing, but women aren't one thing. Women are a trillion. Different things, and if you walk into, let's say, I meet you, and I'm interested in you, but I say to myself, "Well, dancing Sandra, she would never lock me up in a cage." Well, then I'm not going to bring it up, and then because I don't bring it up, it won't happen. You just have to say what you want. Another thing I get is when guys say, "I'm talking to a girl, and I think she wants a relationship. How do I let her know that I don't want a serious relationship?" And it's like, well, mouth the words, "I don't want a serious relationship." is actually quite simple. Yeah. But again, something that a lot of guys don't realize is that we think that women always want relationships, always at all times. So if you don't want a relationship, well, she definitely does. So now you either have to lie to her and say yes, I do want a relationship, or you have to basically walk another way. I mean, it's like no, you don't actually have to do that. What you can do is just tell her the truth. And then one of a few things will happen. If you tell her the truth, she'll either say, "Okay, well, thank you, but I want a relationship. I'm going another way," or she will say, "Oh my God, I don't want a relationship either. Let's have some fun." Or she'll say, "You know what? I do want a relationship, but you also are very sexy, and something tells me you're good in the sack. So until I find a relationship, me and you can have some fun." And in any event, they'll always respect your honesty. Like they'll appreciate it as well, from what I've seen. Yeah, that's for sure. And if you know, if the person's not ready to listen to what you have to say, and if the person is judging you for being who you are, then she's not 
the right person. You don't want to hang out with them, do you? Exactly. And finally, before we go, Sandra dancing, Kakodra's hypnotherapist. <laughs> just one more thing to say to the men, right? <laughs> is that look you might have realized that a lot of these interviews i've done lately are with like people who are in inverted commas weird unusual and that's because there's no set way for how you have to be in life there really isn't you can be however or whoever the hell you want live however you want do what actually makes you happy have the bravery and the boldness to stand on your own two feet and say this is me i don't give a crap i'm just gonna live life and live my truth that is why I do this. And also to let you realise as well that, yeah, women want sex just as much as you. Just as much as you. But anyway, thank you, Sandra. Thanks for your time. I appreciate you. Thank you to the man who's listening. Check out um, our Game Academy. Have a look at that. Gameglobal.net forward slash academy. Goodbye. Au revoir. See you later. Ta-ta. to the loo. <laughs> Au revoir. And goodbye. Yeah, au revoir. Au revoir. Oh, yeah, Sandra's French, if you didn't realise, guys. Yeah, she's <laughs> French. <laughs> yo, 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 this is Kieran. And one thing that you probably don't know is that I do free webinars every Sunday that delve deep into different areas of attraction and success with women. They're on 6pm UK time, which is 1pm Eastern. And right now you're about to hear a sample of last week's call. If you like what you hear, then the link to join the next webinar is in the description of this episode. So, yeah, today's call is a pretty interesting and important one because it basically goes like this. As I think pretty much everybody here should be aware of by now is in a game and out of game. Out of game is the stuff that most people focus on when it comes to game in general, which is specific things that you do in specific situations. So you walk up to two girls and you say, hey, guys, who lies more, women or men? That's an outer game technique. It's the specific thing that you do to attract those women. However, the inner game is how you feel about yourself as a human being. And that massively affects the success of your outer game techniques. It's like the inner game is literally like 80% of the whole deal. The outer game is 20% or less. So if you can have a guy with tremendous inner game who believes in himself like crazy, but no outer game skills whatsoever, he's never learned any kind of game in any way, shape or form, which is basically what you call a natural. Or you get some guy who's read tons of books and theory and watched God knows how many videos and he's got all his stuff in his head, but deep down his inner game isn't together. Well, the guy with the great inner game is going to blow the other guy out of the water. So this is it. The thing is this, it's like, the inner game from what I've seen effectively comes down to like overcoming demons and just actually removing them. You know, these sort of limiting blocks and beliefs because you can say to a guy, yeah. So you walk up to a woman and like have confident body language and, you know, puff your chest up and pass a shit test. You can say all that stuff and he can be there consciously like, okay, so body language like this, pass shit test like that. But you can't keep that up forever. You literally can't. And the more and more that you try without handling the inner game, like you can maybe like get away with it for a night. You can probably even get away with it long enough to get a girl into bed, probably. But at some point, the cracks in the facade are going to start to show because it just gets harder and harder to keep up that pretense. 
and then she'll start to see through it. And then when she starts to see through it, well, her interest wanes. And as her interest wanes, you start to grab onto her more and more and more. And then it kind of ruins everything. Anyway, so right now, well, I'd like to talk about some methods that I have found that are really good for addressing me and again to like get over that demon. The demon, which is actually the reason why you wanted to learn game to begin with why you weren't actually a natural, you know, why you weren't one of those guys who your friends are like, oh, he's just always been good with girls. Girls always just flock to him. Like, why the hell are you not that person? So, let me get started. What I would like you guys to do, if you could, by the way, can everybody please mute themselves? I can hear some crackling. So if you're not muted, then please do mute yourself. Thank you. Yeah. Soon. What I would really like you to do is if you have a pen or a phone or something like make note, because what we want to do is actually find out the specific limiting beliefs that are sabotaging your successes, whether that's with women or with anything. Because when we speak about overcoming a demon, well, there isn't actually a demon. The demon is you. And the demon is effectively your unknown. You too have a. Yeah, can everyone please mute themselves, please? The demon is your unknown beliefs that you don't even realize that are actually governing you. We all actually have them. So like a person who is overweight and has always been overweight has an inner belief that they're an overweight person and that they don't deserve to be in shape and sexy. They don't know that they have that belief, but they actually do. And that's the reason why they're overweight. And it's the reason why every year in New Year's Eve, when they go, aha, this is the year when it all changes. This is the year when I, you know, new year, new me, all of that jazz. And then they say they're going to do it. But then after a couple of months or so, it falls off because they have that belief. So the first thing that you want to do when we speak about overcoming the demon is to figure out what your unknown, like your subconscious beliefs are. So there's some questions that I want you guys to ask yourselves. And for the love of God, please get a phone and like start taking notes or a pen and paper. Don't just like listen to me and ignore this. But so the first one is, what is my comfort zone in relationships and with myself? So, you know, what are the things that I know I should do, but I actually don't do? And by the way, you're going to spend a lot of time on these questions as well. You're not just going to like, you're not just going to write a question down and then answer it in 20 seconds. You're really going to think like, what is actually my comfort zone? What is it? Where are the places where I'm comfortable here and I stay within the realm of what is comfortable and I never actually venture out? So you're going to ask yourself that question and really sit down until you've got a really good idea of what that is. Next one is, what beliefs about myself keep me safe? Okay, what beliefs are those? Now, for me, a huge belief about myself that kept me safe when I was younger was that I was an outcast. I'll tell you why that kept me safe, because I was like, I'm an outcast. The world doesn't understand me. The world's against me. So as a result of knowing that I'm an outcast, I didn't do anything that would, you know, put me at risk. I'm an outcast. So if I'm an outcast, I'm not going to go and speak to that girl. If I'm an outcast, I'm not going to speak up in this group of people. You see what I mean? That it keeps me safe because if I spoke to the girl, 
she might hate me. If I speak to those group of people, they're going to laugh at me. Oh, oh, that, you know, scary fear, terror, terror, scare, fear, terror. Oh. <laughs> like that, right? So I have the belief, which is I'm an outcast. And the belief of, oh, crap. Right, it's knocked over my tea. Don't worry, didn't really spill it there. But yeah, so that belief allows me to stay safe because if I'm an outcast, I act upon that belief and then I don't do anything dangerous. So what beliefs are keeping you safe? What was I told that I couldn't and shouldn't do as a kid? Like what? Because as kids, we, we basically take our programming of the world and who we are, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, from the stuff that we see going on around us. So what were you told? I mean, I was told, what was I told as a, as a kid? What's wrong with you? I was always told that. What the hell is wrong with you? We're ashamed of you. You're weird. You're like a white person. You're different to us because you're black. I was told, you're fat. This is stuff I was told. But like, what were you told as a kid? What stuff were you told when you were a kid? Yeah, on some level, you didn't even realize it, but your little infant brain was like making notes and going, okay, well, this must be the way that I am. Like, I've got one. When I was younger, I literally, literally believed I was inherently a bad person. And I mean like inherently. I don't mean like, oh, I'm not cool. I mean, I did think that, but like actually a bad person. Because schools I went to, I went to like a really racist school when I was a kid. Like it was just total racism and the teachers freaking hated me. And they would even tell me, they would tell me I was a piece of crap to my face. And I'm literally like under 10 years old. I'm under 10, just so we're clear. I'm like six, seven, eight. And I, got, I remember being there with two teachers and they were like, he's such a rotten and despicable little child. Can you believe his mom actually thinks he's an angel? Which is messed up to say to a kid, but the point is this. They said that in front of me. And then what am I? I remember actually going, no, she doesn't. My mom doesn't think I'm an angel. So like I actually bought into their frame and their frame was that. I'm a piece of crap and my mum would be wrong for thinking I'm an angel. I'm like, no, my mum's smart enough to know I'm not an angel. So between all that kind of stuff, it's like, oh, yeah, I'm inherently a bad person. And then I remember actually being, not even too sure of the age, really, but let's say I was seven. I remember sitting down and saying to myself, you know, considering I'm such a bad person, I'm going to make... I'm going to make sure that I make life hard on myself, which is messed up. But I remember saying that. But the point is, what were you told as a kid? What? And then write that stuff down until you got it all. And the thing is this as well, like, it might be hard to do this stuff, but if you do it, you'll reap the benefits. And if you don't, well, you know, you get out what you put in effectively. Next question is, what am I subconsciously committed to being right about? What am I committed to being right about? What is it that I, like, we, we love to be right as people. Like, we all love to be right. You know, we all want to win arguments and blah, blah, blah. I'm no different. Joe's no different. Jacobo's no different. But then what is it that you're so willing to be right about that you would rather be right than happy? Because that stuff is actually there. Like, again, for me, what was I 
what did I want to be right about? I wanted to be right about the fact that the world hated me. I really wanted that. Really wanted that. I, I remember I, when I was a teenager, I just walked the streets with my cousin. We'd literally be walking the streets maybe for like two hours or so. And we'd be just talking about how the world was this horrible place and that everyone was a wanker. Everyone. Like when I was younger, I, my natural assumption of everybody in this chat would have been that you all don't like me, you all judge me, you all either look down on me because I'm black, or if you're black as well, then you look down on me because I'm not black enough. That you're all basically narrow-minded. I think you're all pretty thick. I just, that's just my natural assumption of all of you. That, yeah, that effectively you are all like pieces of crap that would attack me given half the chance. And that you all lived in a little insular little box of how the world is meant to be. And anything outside of that box would shock you to your fundamental core. So you weren't even built to appreciate certain things because you're just inherently that limited. And the thing is this, I was very, I was, I needed that to be true. And like, even though, but the thing is this, like when you're walking through the world, looking at people like, how the freak do you actually form any kind of connection with anyone? Because immediately you're looking at them and thinking they're a piece of shit, like immediately. And then you wonder like, oh, well, no one seems to like me. Well, you don't actually like them either, do you? And have you thought that maybe they're reacting to what they're getting from you? It was like, no, I didn't. I didn't think that. But what? And obviously, like, it's kind of like this. Like, that belief is so dark that you don't want to be right about that. Because if you're right, it's like, wow, well, you're living in a terrible world. But I didn't want to be wrong. I wanted to be right. So I could be like, yeah, I know. I'm smart. I'm smart. I'm so smart. It's funny. Slight uh, tangent. In Marvel Comics, they had something called The Age of Apocalypse in 1995. And this was a storyline where they just completely changed the timeline of the Marvel Universe and Apocalypse was actually running the Marvel Universe. Anyway, in that, they had this genetic test that you could do in order to see if someone was a mutant or not. Right. So if you're a mutant, you got powers, blah, 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 X-Men, etc. If you're not, then you don't have any powers. Someone who turned up as not having powers in that test was known as a flat scan. Me and my cousin used to just call people flat scans. And we felt so good about that. I'm kind of laughing now because of the memories. It was fucking ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. But we, we were so clear about being right, even though it was hurting us, even though we were both miserable, even though at this point, like, I didn't even just want sex with a girl. I mean, I did, but I wanted, like, a girl to hold me and hug me, even though I wanted all of that but I was committed to being right that the world was full of horrible people. There, yeah, here we go. Next one. What beliefs do I share with the majority of my family and friends? <clears throat> and yeah, what beliefs? Because weirdly enough, right, you know, I keep saying that we're programmed by what we see around us, and it's true. I remember a question I used to ask myself all the time when I was younger was, why was I born black? And what I meant by that was, I was like, black people are the center of the world. What were the odds that I would happen to be born black? It was like, it, was like, it just, it seemed weird. So I was like, the world revolves around black people, clearly, which, which I thought, and I, the only reason I thought that was because I was black and everyone in my family was black. No, actually, I wasn't even just that Jamaican. I was like, why, why am I Jamaican? How 
jammy is it that I happen to be born Jamaican when I could have been born something else, but the world revolves around Jamaica, so it's like I've hit the, the jackpot. But the truth is the world doesn't revolve around Jamaica. I just thought it did because everybody around me was Jamaican and that felt like normal, you know? And that's a belief that I just kind of picked up. Another kind of belief I picked up is that in Jamaica, we're in black families as a whole, and I think this is also true of Asian families, but family is a huge thing, okay? A huge, huge, huge thing, massive thing. Something I've noticed about English people is that for English people, your family is like these people who you don't want to have to tolerate, but you tolerate them because you have to. And oh my God, you can't pick your friend. You can't pick your family, but you can pick your friends. Oh God, I have to see the family at Christmas, cousin such and such. It's not like that in a black family at all. Your family is about as important as important can be. And if you're with someone who badmouths your family in front of you, that's like cause for a fight. Like, no word of a lie. You badmouth any member of someone's family in front of them, and it's like you're actually asking for serious trouble. You just literally don't do that. I picked that up because I grew up in a black family. There you go. Now, that's a positive belief in my eyes. I mean, I have no problem with thinking family is great and important. But it is still a belief that I picked up. But what other beliefs have you picked up? I mean, one negative thing that I picked up from my family is like this idea of money. And that money is this thing that's, you know, how can I put this? That's painful and tough to come by, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. What beliefs do you have? Have you, do you share with your family? Do your like, let's say, for argument's sake, right, you might come from a single parent family where maybe, like, your dad's run off or whatever, and your mum's your mom's got, like, loads of sisters. Let's say your mum's got loads of sisters, four sisters, and they've all got no luck with men. And you grew up hearing your sisters say things like, men are no good, men are crap, men are this, men are that, etc. These are, like, your aunties and stuff. Has that gone into your head? So now do you think that women automatically don't trust you? Like, what beliefs is it that you actually have taken on board that you share with your family? Next one is, uh, yeah, what are some things about myself that I've always thought to be true? Uh, what is it? What are things about you that you've always thought to be true? Because I'll tell you something that I see all the time in the PUA scene, and I find it quite funny, because our scene is built on the notion that a man can become more than he used to be. That's literally the fundamental principle of it. The only difference between us and incels and red pill guys is that the red pill guys and the incels have the same knowledge as us, but they, they've just given up. That's the only difference. The reason why you're here right now is because you're like, yeah, so the world isn't what I was told. Women aren't actually what I was told, but it is actually possible to still play the game. You know what I mean? If you're playing a game of football and you're down to 10 men or 11 or nine men or 10 men, you still can't win the match. You just need to learn how to win. That's actually why we're here. But um, hold on. You know what I mean? So, yeah. What about you? Have you always thought to be true? So like, so many guys in this scene, they're kind of like, I want to learn game because 
I can't compete in terms of physicality and muscles. I was like, who told you that? Like, where did you get this idea that you can't compete that way? It's like, oh, so I want to learn to talk to a woman because I can't get big muscles to impress the woman. Now, irrespective of how important big muscles are, that's not really the point. They're not actually that important at all. Not, not even, not at all. But the fact of the matter is this. You've got this idea in your head that you can't compete with this. Says who? Like, who says? Like, I was fat when I was growing up, you know? But not any, not now. Have you actually been to a gym? Have you been to a gym and worked out six days a week for six months to actually say that you can't compete? Or was it that when you were a little kid at school and they were picking people for football teams and whatever, you were always picked last? And because maybe you weren't genetically gifted naturally and people like laughed at you and they didn't pick you on the sports teams, you've got this story in your head that you can't compete physically. Are you actually, but are you sure though? Like, are you literally sure that if you actually hit the gym regular and watch your weight that you actually can't get in shape? Who says? Who is to actually say? But we all carry these kind of beliefs about ourselves that we just kind of assume are true. What are you assuming? What the hell the freak are you actually assuming about yourself? Are you assuming that women, because here's something I get. So here's one. I've had so many Asian clients over the years, right? Like so many, whether they're from like countries like India or Pakistan, or they're from like Hong Kong, China, stuff like that. You know, something that is massive in those cultures, this notion of, oh, okay, so I'm just an Indian guy. And because I'm just an Indian guy, girls aren't going to take me seriously. They'll let me handle their taxes. They'll let me be their GP. But they're not the, I'm not the kind of guy that they're going to get wet for. And that's a story that these guys have in their heads. It's a story. But is it actually true? Like, is it true that you can never actually become more than that? Something that a lot of black guys have, black guys who are interested in dating outside of their race, is slightly to the opposite scale, which is that you're perceived to be like this brute, this hulking brute who, you know, is dangerous. But then he's like, okay, so, but is that actually true? What beliefs do you guys actually have about yourselves? But like unspoken beliefs as well that you don't even necessarily realize are there. Like what, what assumptions are you making about you? Let's say, for instance, Harry, what assumptions have you always made about you that you just naturally assume are true? Or Alex Nicole, I don't know if that is one person or if that's two people, but Alex Nicole, what assumptions? Dillian. Hey, you said I was epic in Facebook earlier. Thanks, Dillian. Cheers. What assumptions are you making about yourself and that you've always made? You know, here we go. And then the last one I want you to ask. You know, I thought this was going to be short and it's already been like 25 minutes. Jesus Christ. What would I absolutely do if I knew I couldn't fail? Like what? If you knew you couldn't fail, what would you be doing? So now, and the reason for that, let me just explain as well, is that if you know what you'd be doing if you couldn't fail, then you know what you currently believe is impossible for you to do. You know? So anyway, once you've got that stuff down, this is what I want you to do now. I want you to sit down. I want you to process it. 
So I'm a very big firm believer in something called shadow work. And shadow work is where you work on your shadow. And the shadow is, as I understand it, not really an expert, but as I understand it, it's kind of like this. So you've got a subconscious mind, you've got a conscious mind. And the subconscious mind is literally like, the subconscious mind is to your mind what the inner game is to game. So the subconscious mind is like 95% of who you are as a human being, but it's subconscious. And then the 5% that you are aware of is the conscious mind. And we think we're our conscious minds and that we're running the show, but actually it's the subconscious mind. But anyway, you do shadow work, you start to work with the subconscious mind. So like you sit down, a great way to do it is to like sit with yourself and spend extended periods of time alone. Now I say sit with yourself, in an ideal world you would be, but you can be like walking about or whatever. But the point is, whatever distractions you usually have, ignore those distractions and sit with yourself. Common distractions include drinking. So I've got a cup of tea here. Well, hold on. Okay, you can't actually see. There we go. There we go. Yeah, drinking. That's one. Like literally food, not even just alcohol, literal food. That's a massive distraction. That was a huge distraction for me when I was a kid. I used to eat all the time because the sensation of the food would take my mind off the existential angst of being myself. I used to eat all the time. It's a massive, it's a wonder I wasn't morbidly obese. I've just got a fast metabolism, so I was just a bit fat. But I used to just eat all the time. But anyway, that's a distraction. Other distraction is like sex. That's a distraction. Another distraction is scrolling through your phone. That's a distraction. TV, Netflix, that's anything. The stuff that people do to distract themselves, that's a distraction. You know, like if you're the kind of person who you can't be on your own without calling a friend to see what they're doing so you can go and meet the friends. Distraction. Because here's the thing, when you sit alone with yourself, thoughts, they pop into your head. Thank you. Thank you, Yakos. Thank you. Yeah, they, they pop into your head because it's like your subconscious is constantly trying to tell you about this stuff constantly. Like, bro, you need to look at this. You need to look at this. You need to look at this. You know, like if I was to cut any one of you guys right now, well, even if you didn't notice, like let's say yeah, I cut you and you didn't notice. At some point, your brain is going to be like, bro, look at your arm. And then you look and you go, like, oh my God, I'm in pain. And the reason why that is, there's like address this, but it's kind of the same with like the deep root stuff as well. But we try and avoid it. Like when I was 18, 19, 19, I remember at this period when I was in so much pain, so much. And I was constantly just avoiding it by playing video games. And I, I'll just sit there and play video games all day. And I knew that if I stopped playing, I'd break down into tears. I kind of knew it, but I just kept playing. Anyway, sit with yourself because massive realizations come. I remember I was sitting with myself once and I had this realization. It's like, shit, man, I'm a bit sloppy, aren't I? I don't really like the way I'm conducting things at all. Huh. You know, but then... You know, you start to, you know, start to realize that. But then also as well, like with regards to the list of things that you've written down previously, you can look at that stuff as well. And like, hold on, is this actually true? You know, you like, you process it. Like, is this belief, whatever it is, and let's say it's a belief about women, is that belief actually true? And you spend a lot of time sitting alone with yourself thinking about that stuff. Anyway, another one is meditation. Now, 
meditation, as I understand it, isn't necessarily going to help you to process demons per se. It's kind of hard to describe. It's like when you meditate a lot, it's it changes your relationship to your thoughts, which in a way is actually kind of processing them. And I'll explain what I mean. So when something happens to you, like let's say I punch you in the face, right? Bam. Now there's two things that's gone on. There's the punch in the face. Well, there's the pain, the physical pain of the punch in the face. And then there's whatever thought you've told yourself about the fact that I punched you in the face. Now, you, most people are going to be punched in the face and get angry. But we think that the pain and the anger are the same thing, but it's actually not. Because if we lived in a world where, let's say you said everybody in the world, there's a, there's a mysterious trillionaire who is wandering the world today. And he's going to walk up to one random person and punch them in the face as hard as he can. And that person's going to get a billion pounds. If I punched you in the face that day, you'd be like, yes, it's me. Yes, yes. That's why you'd be like, you'd be loving it. You'd be absolutely loving it. So that then means it's like the actual, it's not about the physical sensation of the pain. It's what it actually means. It's like what you think it means, should I say. And one thing that happens when you sit down and you meditate is you have these thoughts and you realize that your thoughts, they're just kind of like pop into your head all the time. <clears throat> so the way I do it, which I think is called mindfulness, is like you sit down and you close your eyes and blah, blah, blah. And you focus on a stimulus. I like to listen to sound so I can actually hear my laptop now. And I personally like to use like machinery or things like that, like if I'm sitting on a train or whatever. So you focus on the sound of the laptop and then your mind wanders. And every time your mind wanders, you just come back to the sound of the laptop. You don't judge yourself or dislike yourself for having a mind that wandered. You just come back to the sound of the laptop. And a good way to think of it is like you're doing a rep. Like every time you lose your concentration, you bring it back, you, you do another rep. And then you keep doing that. And yet it changes the relationship that you actually have to your thoughts. That's a good thing to do. Another one, right, inner child exercise. You might have seen I've got a video on Game Global about the inner child exercise. Um, if Joe would like to link to that in the chat, that'd be lovely. But essentially, we all have inner child. So if you think to the stuff I was saying about me as a kid and like everybody hates me, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, it's, like we feel like we're children when we're children and then we grow up and we become adults and we cast all of that childish stuff behind. That's not really the way it works. But like what really the way it works is that you kind of stay a child forever. You just kind of learn how to act in public. You learn what to do. But that child is actually still inside you. And that child is the reason why you're feeling triggered about whatever it is that you're feeling triggered about. You know, so when I was, I don't know, well, let's I'll use a, an example. Let's say you've got some guy and he's gone out and he's done some day game and he spoke to some girl and it went really well. It's gone amazingly well. She's laughing. She's looking into his eyes like he's the sexiest man on earth, all of this sort of stuff. And he's like, yeah, this is brilliant. This is wonderful. Like, finally, finally, this stuff is working. I've met a girl who likes me finally. But then you call her the next day, you DM her the next day, whatever, however you choose to try and communicate with this girl, you try that and she completely blanks you. And you're like, what? Like, what the hell? And it, 
you feel all of this anger and you feel all of this pain and you feel hurt and it makes you feel small. Well, that's your inner child right there. Now, what's going on is your inner child is acting up because of some story that he's told himself, which is probably things like, yeah, you see, nobody actually loves me. Of course, a girl like this isn't going to love me. Of course, nobody wants me because I'm just little Joe Elvin. I'm just little Zach. Of course, you know, and all of this stuff. You know, when you were probably crying on your own at age eight, nine or 10 or whatever, you know, that person's actually still inside you. He's still there. And that person is the reason why you get like hurt and stuff now and why you're terrified to do things now. So you sit with that kid. And I lit, I do this a lot. Like he's little Kieran. <laughs> I, was, I was like, bro, okay, come on, come on, little Kieran, what's up? Talk to me. And here's the funny thing. So when I first started talking to my inner child, he actually hated me. He really didn't like me. And it was nuts because I'd be having these conversations in my head and this little kid in my head is just telling me to go fuck myself. I'm like, bro, it's like, Jesus. He's like, I don't like you because where have you been? You've left me alone for so long and I hate you. I absolutely hate you. I'm like, okay, yeah, but chill, man. Like, I'm here for you. Just, I'm not going to go away. I'm, I'm here. What's wrong? Anyway, after a while, he stopped hating me and then he started like, <laughs> so nuts actually discussing, but this shit works. And then he started being nice to me and then like he started like opening up to me. And the point is, so when things happen, you know, you go out and you, you again, like a group of girls just laugh at you, they blank you. It's that little kid there. You talk to him, just let him know, like, look, it doesn't matter what anybody else thinks because I love you and I know that you're amazing. Okay. So we, we don't care about those people. We don't care about those people. They're on their own journey. Look, it's all about us. Okay. You know, like the amazing older brother that you wished you had. You know, imagine if when you were a kid, you had this amazing older brother. He was just cool as all hell, but also thought you were freaking awesome. And he was just always there to support you. And he was giving you these nuggets of wisdom and helping you, guiding you through life. And be like, no, 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 don't, don't, no, no, I used to make that mistake as well. I used to make that mistake when I was younger, but try it this way. You know, you're awesome. You're awesome little dudes. You basically be that to the little childhood version of you that actually still lives inside you. And then, and then, and then, and then, oh, do the things that trigger you. Yeah, do the things that trigger you. Because by doing the things that trigger you, you feel the pain. And then by feeling the pain, you kind of get a chance to process the pain, if you see what I mean. Because if like, if you want, and this is actually why I said to write the things out to start with, because if you're not doing things that trigger you, it's like how do you even find out why, where it is that you've got all of these beliefs and your demons that you need to like work on? But say, let's say something that really triggers you is, I don't know, let's just say day game, for argument's sake, right? Day game. Day game really scares you, it really triggers you. So when you do day game, despite the fact that you're going to build the day game skill and blah, 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 it's triggering you for a reason. So you go out and then you walk up to a woman. I remember like this time I walked up to this woman. I said, hey, can I speak to you for a moment? And she just looked at me and she went, why would you want to talk to me? And I can't remember what I said. I think I said, because you look nice. She literally just walked away. Like, just walked away with zero regard. I remember another time when I was on Achieve in London and I saw this girl and she was sitting there with her legs crossed. 
This was like one of the first approaches I ever did. I think this might be the first approach I ever did. And I was like, okay, I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna do it, I'm gonna do it, okay. I'm gonna do it. And I remember I said to myself, if she gets off at my station, I'm gonna do it. And lo and behold, she got off at my stations. So anyway, I did it and I walked up to her and I tapped her from behind and she turned around, she looked at me. I said, excuse me, and she And then my face cracked, oh, here we go. My face cracked and I was kind of <laughs> like that. And then she just walked off, it was like, ouch. Ouch, 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 ouch. But the point is that then that's actually a gift because now like you're triggered and then when you're triggered, it's like, okay, so why am I actually triggered? What the hell's going on here? What's actually upsetting me? And then you can process that, look at it, examine it. Is it true? No, it's not. I actually choose to be this way. Oh, and another thing as well, another thing I want to say is that, you know, when you're processing all this pain, right? Look at it dispassionately. Like, don't believe the story, you know? Like, and what I mean is, say, when you're feeling the pain of some girl rejecting you, the temptation is to dive in and like, <laughs> like that. There's like temptation to do that. Like don't do any of that. And like I used to do a lot of that when I was younger. I was an angry kid when I was younger. I'd be, <laughs> I'd be like that. Don't no stand like dispassionately. Just look at it, feel it, but see for what it is, and then talk yourself through it. Don't actually believe it because once you start like diving in and believing it, you're just gonna like perpetuate it. You want to acknowledge it, but then move on from it. If you see what I mean. And finally, before the Q and A, well, actually, yeah, cut out distractions. But I already said that before anyway. Yeah, you definitely wanna. Cut out the distractions because the only reason why we have distractions are to distract us from the stuff that I'm talking about now, you know? So, there we go. So, with that, does anybody have any questions? If so, speak now or as they say, forever hold your peace. Um, hey. Uh, I have a question there. Mm. Um, can you hear me? Yeah. All right. Um, so one of the biggest distractions that I find is that I want to do too many things at once because I feel like I have so much improvement that I want to do. So how would you handle um, just being more focused and uh, tackling it in a way no, I, I hear you. I, I, you I don't have you. multiple things to, to do. No, I, I hear you. I, I totally understand what you're saying. This was my issue for the longest time because I always wanted to be Superman and do a ton of things at once, you know? So I might be trying to be more productive while trying to work out, while trying to improve sexual escalation, while trying to do this. Like, there's just loads of things at once I was trying to work on. And the truth is that, you don't have the bandwidth. It's kind of like anything that isn't actually a normal and natural part of the way you operate requires, requires willpower. So we think of willpower as being 
this unlimited resource that we have. And it's just constantly recharging and it never runs out. But that's not actually the way it works. The way it works is that willpower is actually like... Uh, it, it's, it's finite, essentially. It's finite. It runs out throughout the day. And anything that you do that spends willpower, that makes you have to think and make a decision, you're spending willpower. And then once you spend too much of it, you'll burn yourself out. And then when you burn yourself out, you're not able to do the thing anymore. This is precisely why I think I've mentioned this in previous talks, why Steve Jobs wore the same outfit every day. It was so he didn't have to spend precious willpower thinking about what to wear rather than how to make an iPhone. He wanted to use all of that willpower for what was the most important thing. So the long and short of it is, bro, you just want to look and say, what is the most important thing for me to be working on right now? Like where your personal development is concerned and then do that but you just literally do one thing at a time you don't have the bandwidth for any more than that maybe if like someone held your mom hostage and said look we're going to shoot this bitch if you don't do it then yeah you'd figure out a way but other than that we have some dire straits you you don't have the willpower so just pick one thing and just do it don't try to do too many things at once really don't like really really don't i would even suggest as well that well, and to be honest, this isn't what I did when I was learning game at all. But if I was to go back and start learning now, this is what I would do, which is let's say there's one area that you're struggling with. We'll just focus on one area at a time, essentially, like sexual escalation. So all I'm focusing on is sexual escalation or maybe, you know, uh, compliance. I'm focusing on getting compliance. I'm focusing on asking for days. I'll just do one thing at a time. And then just nail that one thing and then move on. Because honestly, you try you spread yourself too thin and then it's just... Mm. Does that answer your question? Uh, yeah, it does. Uh, thanks for explaining the willpower part. Um, mm. And uh, if, if you can answer just one other quick question. Um, yeah. Basically, one of the challenges that I face right now is I live with my family. Um, and... Uh, I, I, I hesitate not to do day game because of that reasoning, because I know like women are like, hey, I feel more comfortable if you had your own place, because I've had that before. How does day game affect, how does living with your family affect you doing day game? Uh, my, my belief is, uh, what is the point? Because at the end, when I try to bring a girl back, I, I, she's going to be more shy. Okay, well, uh, well what about Airbnb? okay seriously what about that what about friends like to be honest i wouldn't recommend bringing a girl back to your parents place unless actually how old are you uh i'm 34 okay yeah well yeah i definitely wouldn't recommend bringing a girl back to your parents house uh, that kind of age but airbnb bro like okay. the point is like figure out a solution figure out a way around the problem so do you have some good friend you can be like, bro, look, right, just do me this favor. Let me have your place tonight, please. Because I've got this girl, I want to bring this girl, whatever. Like, just figure something out. Yeah. But here's okay. the thing. So when you spoke about day game, were you basically saying that you're thinking about meeting a girl in day game, pulling her for an instant date, and then taking her home that night? Is that what you're talking about? 
No, so my whole thing is um, why focus on day game right now? Uh, my focus is more instead of just focusing on women, focus on actually learning to get my own place. Because uh, all I need to do is focus a couple months to study. And uh, I'm in IT, so I just need to increase my salary in IT mm. in order for me to get my own place. That's my thought process. Well, what I'll say is I can't really tell you what's most important for you to do in general with your life right now. That's up to you, really. Because I, I don't know, like, how hard is it for you to get your own place? I, I don't know. So that's the decision that you have to make. Yep. But, uh, yeah, Harry, can you mute yourself, please? And I did see a question from Joe. So the question right. is, Kieran... Oh, hold on. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Kieran, do you have any experience with people, either you or a coaching client, using game as a way to hide from their inner geek demons, i.e. gaming too much addiction to validation? Okay, that has to be a setup question because, okay, so the question is, do I have any experience of people using game as a way to hide from their inner demons? And the reason why I'm laughing is because that's literally everybody. <laughs> that's literally every freaking guy that's learning game. Everybody. Literally everybody. That's the reason why. It's the reason why. Because you have these inner demons and... They have the inner demons, but at the same time, you're not one of these insult bitches who's given up or these MGTOW bitches who's given up, right? So you got that fire that says, you know what, this can be better. But at the same time, you got the inner demons. And then someone comes along and says, oh, by the way, you know it's possible to learn how to be successful women. You're like, oh, then I will get the validation I've always wanted. Yes. Then I will show everybody. Then I will have the girls and the girls will like me. And when the girls like me, I can like myself. That is literally every single freaking body. So, yeah, that's the answer to that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's funny because it literally is just everyone. Any, any other questions? So I stopped gaming until, was that for me, Yakov? Um, okay, so is, well, can you just say the question again? Because I'm not entirely sure what you're asking. No, not necessarily. I mean, I, I wouldn't say that. I would say... If you do the stuff that I'm speaking about here, this can be done in conjunction with anything, really. So I don't necessarily believe that you need to stop gaming until I don't say that at all. I would just say it's like the angle that you go at game from. And like I say, like the most dominant angle of game is the, if she does this, you do that. If then, if then, if then, like it's a computer program. If you attack it from the if then, if then, like a computer program, then you don't really overcome the issues. But if you attack it another way, then you will. But not necessarily, you're not necessarily going to overcome all your issues on your deck on with just game, but it's going to help massively. Any more questions?
Ooh, hit me, Alex Nicole. Hit me. Hit me, Alex. Hit me. Give me, give me the full force of your juicy question. Lay it all on me. Bitch slap me with your question. Literally shake up the bottle, bust the cork, and spray it all in my face. Give me this question. Dating during quarantine need to keep a girl locked down. Okay. But that's not really a question. Like, what are you trying to say? Oh, you can't? Yeah, yeah, bro, can you just, like, structure this as a natural question? So are you basically saying that there's a girl you want to break up with, but you feel like you can't? Like, what specifically are you saying? Okay, I got you. Can you hear me? Yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. I got this girl that I'm dating right now. Um, uh, there's some problems, right? I'm like, okay, what I need to find something better, right? But it's like, it's so hard to, I'm afraid to start dating during quarantine because it's, it's, uh, there's so many excuses in my mind, like, it's not going to work, all this stuff. I see all these examples of successful things on the, on the, on the Facebook group, which is awesome. But, uh, it's scary. I guess it's not really a question, but <laughs> something I'm, I'm struggling with right now. So, there's a girl, you're with her, you're not happy with her, you'd like to leave, but you're scared to date during quarantine because, firstly, going out and doing game and whatever is inherently scary, but also there's a social pressure of social distancing and whatever, things like that, yeah? Is that right? Yeah, that's exactly right. It's been, it's been fine in the past, but I've never, I haven't, I haven't dealt with the quarantine situation before. I've been, I was dating into quarantine, right? Like, all, right, all right, okay, I hear you. Well, what's the worst that can happen? And when uh, I, what I mean is, like, yeah. ask yourself, yeah, ask yourself that. What is actually the worst that can happen? Yeah, I guess being alone for a while, that's not that bad, I guess. Well, look, or, you're or, speaking to someone who spent more years than he cares to admit in a relationship that was going absolutely nowhere. And I'm going to be honest right now. If you locked me in a room with a paedophile and said, beat that guy to a bloody pulp, and you'll get those years back, I would do it in a heartbeat. And I wouldn't lose any sleep. You know, I might not even be a paedophile, just tell me he was and make me believe it. I would gladly kill that guy to get those years back. So, you are not... Thank you, Zach. Thank you. I'm glad you found that funny. You are not um, helping yourself in any way. I can tell you quite young. You sound young. How old are you? Uh, 26. 26. Okay, no, not that young. But point is, bro, you don't get these years back, you know. You really don't. And, like, time just keeps moving by. And none of us actually knows when we'll die. Like, none of us knows. You actually might die. You might be dead by this time next year. That's just the truth. You might have another 10 years. You might have another 20 years. Who the heck knows? Like, live your life. Because, as I always say, there's going to come a time when you're going to walk into Starbucks. And this cute girl is going to serve you at Starbucks. 
and you're not necessarily coming on to her or anything, but she's like cute and you'd kind of hope she was attracted to you in some degree. And she's going to make this little comment that lets you know that she thinks you're an old man. And it's just going to dawn on you that it's all over. And that actually the days of you meeting women are gone. And that is going to be painful as all hell. Okay, I'm well aware that that moment is coming for me. Luckily for me, I look very young, so I think I probably got another 15 to 20 years. <laughs> but still, that moment is actually coming. And when that moment comes, right, you don't want to be looking back on things like this girl here who you'd like to leave or the fact that you were too scared because, oh, no, quarantine and blah, blah, blah. You really don't because that's just pure pain. I saw a video once where they're talking about it's like old people, but really old people, like neg freaking nursing home waiting to die old people speaking about what they regret and it's always the fact that they didn't take these chances it's always that so you're screwing yourself royally by not doing anything now sure about one more hmm? what do you say appreciate you well cheers man thank you thank you so got what time for one more question which is from Dillian. How do you know if a negative belief is a legitimate one or if it's just a limiting belief? Well, I mean, that's kind of for you to work out, really. But to be honest, I'd say most limiting, most negative beliefs are limiting. Like, well, I mean, again, it's for you to work out. Like, is it? Uh, here's a good question. Has there been anybody else that's been able to do the thing that you're thinking about doing? Like if you're this Indian guy and you're an Indian and you can't seduce women because you're an Indian, yet Justin Mark exists, then it's clearly just a limiting belief. Because how the hell does Justin Mark exist? The fact that Justin Mark exists means that it's possible to be an Indian man and still be sexy. So one question is, all right, are, is, there re is there anybody who has shared whatever I believe to be my issue that has managed to succeed in the face of it? You know, like in the Game Global podcast, I interviewed this guy in the last episode. His name's Fen. He's a blind video gamer and he's world class at Street Fighter V. And he's completely blind. He can't see a thing. He's 34, hasn't seen since he was six, right? He first started playing Street Fighter, Street Fighter II in 1992. Bearing in mind, he was blind before 1992. So he's actually never even seen Street Fighter at all. At all. Yet he's still brilliant. So... You know, you're just like, like, what will happen? Like, here's a good way to, to see if it's a limiting belief or not. Just test it out. Because Sven spent hours upon hours upon hours upon hours upon hours upon freaking hours playing Street Fighter blind. And like, the amount of trial and error you would have to go through to be there like, you hear, it's like, oh, crap, what do I do? Crap, oh, my God, oh, you lose. It's like, oh, my God. And the trial and error, but he's done it. And now he's better than me. I'm in the top 20% of players in the world. He's in like the top five and he's blind. <laughs> so, you know, just try it. Like, try it. You don't know. And this is the thing you don't know. You really do not know. You have not, you, like, I've got an episode of the Game Global podcast coming out tomorrow, right? It's with a friend of mine, inverted commas, called Sandra. And she's talking about a relationship she had where she was with a guy who wanted her, he basically asked her, he specifically requested that she have sex with other men and she, 
he he wanted her to buy him a chastity belt, which is like this little device that you wear, which stops you from getting an erection. Then she would have like the key to the belt. She would go out and she'd fuck other men. When she's out, she'd sometimes call him while she's fucking the guy and leave the phone there so he can hear. But he's got the belt on so he can't get hard. He's sitting there and he's fantasizing. She would come back and she'd tell him about what she was doing. And then they'd have some mind-blowing sex. And the point is this. Firstly, how is it that I get women telling me stuff like that? Because I ask them. Because I don't have this limiting belief that it's impossible to get into that kind of conversation with a woman. You know, I believe it's possible. So I do it. And then as a result, if you listen to that podcast, you will see there's tons of women saying some pretty crazy stuff to me. How did her boyfriend get her into that situation? He obviously believed it was possible. Now, irrespective of whether or not you actively want to do that, I mean, I want to do that, but it's not really the point. It's not about that specific thing. It's about that is the sort of thing that on TV, nobody would ever own up to. And no one would ever say, oh, yeah, that's like we condone that kind of behavior. Obviously not. People would be like, no, you know, that's no, my boyfriend, monogamy, blah, blah, blah. That's what the sort of stuff that people would say. Right. But, yeah, no, something's possible until you freaking give it a shot, you know? You don't know it's possible. You really don't. Here we go. So, yeah, that made, made a lot of sense. Mm, thank you. But, yeah, like, just the, the notions that you have about what is possible and what aren't, they're just in your freaking head. They're just in your head. And, yes, yeah, some things actually are impossible, I suppose. Like... You're probably not going to learn to fire optic glass out your eyes like Cyclops. Probably not. But at the end of the day, if you tell yourself it's impossible, then it means that even if there's a 0.00000 recurring chance that you actually could do that, you're not going to do it because you've decided that it's impossible. Yeah. Mm, there we go. Yeah. So with that, everybody who is listening 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 um we would like you to join the game academy wouldn't we joseph and joseph is now going to put up a link to game academy now what is game academy is exactly what it sounds like it is our academy where we dish out basically it's like everything that you need to know in order to boost your skills with women we've we've distilled it into kind of like a curriculum so there's tons of articles with videos attached that break down various areas of successful women so we've got a huge day game section which the vast majority of it is a joe basically and about meeting women but you can actually hear joe speaking to these girls and interacting with them and then there's an article underneath, which is written by me, breaking down what Joe has done in order to hook the girl's attention. But then that's just a day game area as well. We've got some night game videos, sexual escalation, message game, etc., etc., etc. But as well as that, we also have private, freaking private Telegram group as well. She is like a family. There's a family of us, and we're all like. Guys in there posting up their questions, etc., and getting direct feedback from myself and Joe, helping them through their problems. We also have Sunday debriefs as well, which is where we get together at the end of the week and, well, debrief effectively. How's it going? What problems have you had? What do you need help with, etc.? So I would say to you that if there's some area of your dating, your romantic, your sexual life 
that you feel like needs a little bit more pep in its step, right? It needs a little bit more pizzazz. Then check out our game academy and um, sign up, essentially. Because you know what? It's a steal. And it is. Because we're all about value. See, we give value. And the value of our academy far, far, far exceeds the meager amount that we actually ask for it. There we go. So with that, I will say that we will be back this time next week. I wish you all health, wealth, prosperity, love. Big booty hoes, unless you don't like big booty hoes, because you're one of those strange guys that doesn't like big butts, in which case, fine, you know, sexy legged hoes, whatever it is, big titted hoes, whatever kind of hose it is that floats your boat, then I hope you get loads. Oh, and that rhymes, I'm so cold. Oh, so I did that. That's a fact. And that's that. It's time for me to go. Bye bye. Shit, I couldn't think of another rhyme. Oh, but I rhymed that. All right. But anyway, yeah, man, take care, everybody. It's been a great call. All right, thanks, Kieran. Yeah, no worries. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Bye, bye, bye. Bye, 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 bye.